Hello, I'm Kim Salveen, and this is the Construction Goals Circular Podcast. Today I'm with, with uh, Niels de Temmerman, professor from Brie University in Brussels. Niels de Temmerman is an architectural engineer with a PhD in deployable scissor structures. Niels is currently leading a research team working on transformable design and circular building. Niels also co-supervised a creation of the Circular Retrofit Lab demonstrator in collaboration with a team of academics, industrial stakeholders, and frontrunners in circular construction, and co-founded the spin-off company, Conligo. So Niels, how are you doing today? I'm fine, uh, Kim. Thanks. Uh, I'm glad to be here. So uh, after almost three years of digital meetings, it's finally to be here at an event where you can really meet people. So uh, I think it's already worth the trip. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I think we had our, have our share of Teams meeting and Zoom meetings and nice to see face to face here. And it's really great to have you here. Uh, I have typically started this question about, uh, we all know that circularity in construction industry is extremely important. But what was triggering you? Why, was it something you read or something that happened that you kind of thought that this is, this is my thing, I want to do this stuff? Well, it actually started a long time ago at when I was, so I'm trained as an architectural engineer. And when I was in university, we had this professor in the late 90s called Hendrik Hendricks, and he was always talking in architectural design about the fourth dimension. Mm-hmm. It sounds a bit like science fiction, but it was actually something real. And he was talking about designing with time, four-dimensional design. And we really, it was really intriguing, but we really, really didn't understand exactly what he was talking about <laughs> until years later when we thought that we, when he was talking about you have to build like a Lego, you have to build like a Meccano, this is all wrong what we're doing right now. And um, then we suddenly, or at least I suddenly realized that this is the way to go. And then I started applying these ideas in a bit in a different way, also in my own PhD. And then later when I took over the research group from him, when he retired, we developed these ideas with lots of other people. And we realized it's actually circle construction, what he mm. was talking about, but he just didn't call it that way. Did he have any name for this? Four-dimensional design, four, okay. 4D design. Uh, it's oh. something, I guess, from the 60s, but okay. uh, yeah, actually the ideas are, are the same, but it's, it's called differently. And that's how I got into it and that's why I'm glad that we can now also teach this to our students and we also implement it uh, in the in the built environment because we like you said you introduced uh, me as as co-founder of Conligo indeed we try to apply all these principles of circle construction at all levels of that company so we really want to build deployable systems for Mm. a, a zero waste event industry it's intriguing it's challenging but it's something that we have to do it's it's the way to go yeah i think all of us who are in this industry know that this is a must what we need to do yep. we don't have any and and to be honest we need to start today not tomorrow actually we should, should have done it already yesterday <laughs> but but we are a little bit late let's do it now <laughs> yeah, let's do it now so you are here as a keynote speaker for us and and today you gave, will give actually the presentation of the circular retrofit lab a demonstrator for transformable building design can you tell a little bit more to us who are not here in the conference and, and for those who are not in the conference, what will you speak about? Yeah, so, so the Circular Retrofit Lab is actually an experimental renovation project. It's, it's located at the campus of the VUB, so my university. 
And it's housed in uh, some old buildings that were due to be demolished, uh, st old student houses. They were not fit anymore for the, the technical requirements of today mm. and energetic requirements. But students still loved them because they had this really nice feel to it. It's like a small student village. And they had a lot of parties there, you can imagine. So it was really nice. But they, they were supposed to be demolished. And that's when we said, okay, this is not the way to go. Uh, and, and we said, okay, let's make of one of those pilot projects, let's take it and make it into some kind of demonstrator for circular building and maybe people will get inspired and maybe university will then decide to renovate all the student houses that are still there. So that's what it actually is. Uh, but the real change was when we could put it into the BAMP project. This mm. was a big European project called BAMP, Buildings as Material Banks. And it means that you see uh, buildings uh, as material banks and no longer as um, a future uh, as a collection of future waste of materials, but you see them as a, a future source of valuable building materials. And that's what the, the demonstrator is. It's try, it tries to showcase all the principles that we developed in the BAM project and really show them to the public. So basically, if you, mat if you speak about the materials bank, you kind of productize that building to smaller pieces and then the list of materials, which then could be reused or, or something, right? Exactly, that's what yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, so it's not lo no longer a collection of materials that is there and to be decayed and doesn't mm -hmm. have any value anymore. You try to design in a different way so that afterwards, after a certain point in the life cycle of a building, you can take it apart again mm. and use it. I'm referring to the Lego and the Meccano. You yeah. can take the, the components out and you can put them in a cycle again. Yeah. So that's actually the, the demonstration of this project tries to show that it's possible to do so. Okay, yeah. So I guess this is coming from my, from my first question here. How does uh, the Circular Retrofit Lab support the development of a circular construction? Yeah, yeah. so it, it, came, it came from whenever we were speaking to people, to stakeholders in the built environment, any stakeholder, they always asked uh, when we were showing our nice principles, first, can you show me one? And the second question was, how much does it cost? But we really didn't have the answer to that, of course. It was very complex. So that's why the Retrofit Lab is, is deliberately conceived as a demonstrator in which we can show these concepts and these building systems to mm. prove that they are they're feasible. Um, but we also did, and I already explained this a bit, we partly convinced the university uh, that there's a different way of renovating eh, so that we can inspire the general public as well. And, but what it really shows is that circular construction to us is not really rocket science. It's just a, a clever combination of taking existing knowledge and applying it at the right time at the right place. Uh, so the context of a project and the choices that you make as a, as a designer mm. are really crucial. And, and for that, you need really good designers. So not designers who are working for their, I would say, own glory, but who work based on a vision for circularity. Yeah. I have been here having, having a podcast already with, with, with Rumble and, and with other designers here. And, and they, they kind of, when we speak about circularity and sustainable buildings, uh, and we think about who are those people who are kind of forerunner for this. I think it's, the, of course, the developers, the investors who want to do these things, but also very much the designers. Very much the designer. Yeah. Uh, I, was, I, was, I was explaining that when I was uh, taught as a designer, eh, there was some talk about sustainability. Eh, it was called green or eco-design, mm. but really going go really deep into how to uh, apply these circular principles mm. to an architectural design, it was not really part of the discourse. And now it is. So all the things that I'm talking about today, 
are things we directly implement in our courses to the students. So 18-year-old students coming to our university, from day one, they are, they are subjected to these ideas of circularity. Mm. So there's no escape anymore yes. <laughs> because it's important because they really are the designers of the future. So yeah. I think there's, it's, it's a bit slow, but there's a wave coming that they will certainly understand how to do things differently than yeah. we used to do them. They will be the future advocate for this, for this yeah. stuff, yes. Yeah. And what aspects of circular construction are addressed explicitly with, with your project? What is, what is really behind there? <clears throat> yeah, so we had to make some choices, of course, and, and the first choice was, do we demolish or repurpose? I think it's clear that mm. we repurposed, we yep. kept the buildings, and we didn't demolish because that was the whole goal, not to demolish. So we chose repurposing, And uh, by retain, because it's an existing structure, so we kept the concrete structure. We had to throw away a few parts, of course, because there was also asbestos, etc. So all kinds of things that you that you uh, encounter in, in, in a construction site. But we could show uh, to the university and to other stakeholders that there was a significant environmental and financial advantage to be to be pursued when we kept uh, those structures. And uh, also we renovated with a huge respect for the visual value of the existing buildings because they are quite iconic and they are part of the collective memory of our university. So we are really, really careful with the architecture and the way they look and, and the meaning they have mm. at our university. Mm. So that's the first choice we made. So repurpose this with, with a great sense of uh, architectural value. And the second aspect was planning. So we, we never planned for a single plan or a single use, but we were really thinking with, together with the designer into future scenarios. And so we made plan layouts and we made them as versatile as possible so any function that we might need in 10 or 20 years could also be housed in, those, in that retrofit lab. So mm. that's the second one. And the third one, which is also important, uh, is the level of the materialization. And in that respect, we went very far in making sure that the different building systems are as demountable and adaptable as possible. And I think again of the Lego and the Meccano mm. and the components. Okay, yes. And we did that at the level of the facades, we did that at the level of the internal walls, and also uh, at the level, which is quite tricky, at the technical services. Uh, and we often used existing products where we could and where we had to invent stuff together with the stakeholders. We sat around the table and co-created a, mm. uh, a few solutions. I kind of thinking here, you, you started when you said that, that this, this thing was kind of, it was first planned to be kind of rebuilt, the demolished and to rebuild something new put in there. And now you got this through this project and you have it going on. Uh, how, how did you discuss about money, about euros? Because we know, you and me, we know, <laughs> euros is a very good incentive in these things. Yeah. So how, how, did, how was that discussion going through? Because if you build something, you tear something down, demolish something, you build something new, that has a price tag, and now you did something different, and that also have a price tag. So how does the two compare? Yeah. So we, of course, did with our team, we did some financial studies uh, and we could compare easily if you demolish the whole building and you have to rebuild it with a new building, what does it cost? Those are mm. quite straightforward yes. calculations. But then it starts to become more interesting or more difficult as well when you say, okay, when you keep part of the building and you put extra material in, but you put it in there in a way that you can take it out afterwards, then it becomes a life cycle story. Mm. But that's a bit more difficult. But we had we had people to do that. My, one of my colleagues, Waldo Galla, he's an expert in that. And he could prove that, okay, with certain value calculations and with certain investments, we could make sure that university uh, would be happy with mm. the result. And that's why they started that they said, okay, we will invest 
some of our money into this experiment because it was still an experiment. Mm. And, uh, but then once we had this credibility of the university, we could go to other partners and say, look, university is interested. There's a potential for the whole site to be renovated, more than 300 units. Yeah. Okay, that was the story. So yeah. then it was clear that they wanted to invest and they saw also opportunities to showcase their products, of course, and to use the building as a demonstrator. So it kind of, it, 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 was, it was connected together. Yeah. It started with a little flame uh, of saying, okay, this is, uh, we could prove that it's viable to do. And then in the end, they were all around the table really interested to do this, uh, to do this uh, project with us. Yeah. But it, it had to be built step by step and it took some convincing and it took actually three years of convincing all the partners. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah sure. But this is what I'm always saying on these things. We have to always remember the euro. Euro value has something to do with these things. Even if it's a little bit stupidity to say, speak about money when we're speaking about our earth, our planet. Yeah. So, how do you price that one? But but yeah, uh, I know. I th think it's too comprehensive for us, single human, to understand the whole thing. But but uh, but euro is an excellent incentive for for these yeah, things. That's the reality. It's a circular economy. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Okay, and and then how does the lab contribute to developing circular strategies at the organization of 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 these? kinds that you have done now how 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 is how is it how does it improve yeah so well the, the first clear merit of the lab is to demonstrate i said it's a demonstrator mm -hmm. so we show directly circular concepts in a renovation context so you can touch them you can see them you can feel them uh, we also teach students there so they can see directly uh, what what happens there um, and but it's also because of because of the fact that it's a renovation context it's quite complex mm -hmm. uh, and a renovation context okay you can do circular strategies you can apply them but everything has to meet all the technical requirements of today. So that's a, that was a real search and we, we managed to do it somehow. Of course, not everything, it's still an experiment, eh? but insulation, air tightness, acoustics and fire regulations. So these all had to be dealt with at the same time. So that's the first merit. Uh, it's an experiment, but it took a long time. Uh, time was at our side. Uh, we can do experiments mm -hmm. at university. We can, we can have time to do that. And in the second uh, place, I would say that um, there was a really nice process with the manufacturers that were around the table. So they were really interested in, in showing their building products that are already on the market, that are off the shelf. But then again, we sat around the table and we were co-creating new solutions specifically for this project. Um, and why were they so happy to do, I think, was because we have the freedom and the space to experiment, mm. to iterate, because mm. it was called an experiment. You can always fail an experiment, exactly. nothing, yeah. nothing lost. It worked, some things didn't work, but it, 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 we could iterate, we could fail and start again. So that was the, the really nice uh, context of trust that we had with the partners around the table. And, and a final lesson I would say is that um, uh, we already have quite some design strategies. I was talking about uh, the beginning four-dimensional design, but it's, you could call it design for disassembly, you mm -hmm. could call it design for change. Uh, and we already have a lot of design strategies. But what we learned as well is that there's no one magic solution Quite the contrary. So um, um, if you go for quality uh, for a circular project, as an architect, you choose with great sensitivity the most appropriate design approach for mm. that specific project, for that specific context. And we really, like I already said, need good designers for that. Uh, and we also try to pass this on to our students. And that's also one of the goals of the, of the demonstrator. 
And in that respect, I maybe can tell you that we recently just published, published 26 actions that you can undertake yourself as a designer during the whole mm -hmm. design process. So from pre-design to construction phase uh, to make your designs or your buildings more circular. And you can all check this out. We made a website. It's called circularactions.be. Okay. There you can find an overview and how to use those circular actions in your own design project. Okay. So that's really to inspire people to, to really take action now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you mentioned about the regulation, the, today's regulation when you did the renovation project. So what kind of challenges do you have? Because if you have houses which is 100 years old and, and you renovate them and then you need to meet today's regulations, they are a little bit different than in, in those days when it was built. So what was the biggest obstacles or challenges you met there? Yeah, the fact that you work with an existing context. Uh, so there was also asbestos. Uh, so things mm. you find, uh, like uh, skeletons in the closet, uh, things that yes. you find there, uh, things that you cannot always solve. The fact that everybody, everybody has to work on the same vision. So all contractors have to be there and share the same vision. And they have to be on board. And one solution has to be adapted to another solution. So everybody has to work towards that single goal. Eh? It takes time. Mm. It takes, uh, it takes uh, effort. It takes leadership to do that. Uh, so that's one. And this was only an experiment. Can you imagine doing this under time pressure yes. in a real context? Yeah. So, so that's, that, I think, is the greatest challenge uh, that I would mention there. Yeah, yeah because yeah. that's what I'm meaning. I mean, that is, if this would have been a commercial project, let's put it this way, some main contractor would have taken that one. We can all imagine what would have happened. Yeah, they would cut away stuff. Yes. They would say, this is too expensive. Yes, this is not. Yes. But, but at least that we show that it's possible, then it's up to the market to take this up yep. and see which specific things they like about the project and they can apply. Yeah. Sometimes it's only small things you have to do. You don't have to do everything together. Mm -hmm. It's small, uh, intelligent choices that you have to make. Uh, and that's already a big step towards a more circular built environment, I guess. Yeah, and these kind of experiments we need to do to learn. Without doing those, we would never ever learn. Yeah. We will always think that, no, it's too difficult. Let's not do it. Let's yeah. tear it down and build a new one. Exactly. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's, that, that's what, who we are, yeah. what we would do. How did you come up with the idea for this project? And, and how did you define your kind of goals and ambitions? Yeah, so the first step was easy. We didn't like them to be demolished. We heard mm. about the demolishing. It was a simple uh, yeah, a choice that had been made. We said, no, no, let's not do that. So we tried to lobby, not only us, uh, a few other people as well, mainly for environmental reasons, uh, but also uh, because, yeah, if you, if you tear them down, you have a huge waste production, but also because those student houses, like I said, are part of the collective heritage of, of our university, mm. of the VUB. Um, and then our intention was that we could show that we could renovate much smarter and that we could apply our research into the built environment. Uh, and that, was, that, it, that it would also be financially viable for the VUB and that those buildings will remain usable for longer. And it, in the end, at the end of the life cycle, it could cost less in the long term. But that's difficult to, to, to calculate and to show, but we could do it. And as you know, uh, probably the best building is the building that you don't have to build. Exactly. But, but in our case, at, at the university, it was th the second best building would be a building that you don't have to build again. Mm. <laughs> so not first demolish and then rebuild. So yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so then the question is, how did you go from ambitions to concrete action plan and, and implementation? I think that's... Uh, you mentioned earlier already that it, it required quite a lot of uh, convincing, mm -hmm. let's put it this way, and, 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 but how did this then go forward? And, and 
Ja. How did you find the partners to do this stuff? Was it kind of an open, open bidding or tendering or, or how did you choose them? No, we just went. So we, are, we were in the context of fundamental research and, and that was also our credibility uh, that we, we want to have numbers as well. Mm-hmm. We want to prove something. Uh, uh, and, but first we asked the VUB, can you allow us to do this pilot project because it's university campus and, and would, you, would you agree and would you be on board? And uh, that's uh, how I said that we re- received a small budget for that. Uh, uh, but thanks because of the credibility of the big BAMP project, mm. the Billings as Material Banks, huge European project with 16 partners all over Europe. That gave us the final credibility and, and that substantially increased our budget that we could, on the one hand, use for research. So we could use all these tools and calculations and, and designs and, and show that it's possible. And, and next to that, we also had the space to go to partners and uh, ask, just ask them, do you have money? Do you want to be on board? And mm. can you put money? Can you put wisdom? Can you put your skills? Can you put people, uh, etc.? And that's how we, uh, how we sold the project. It was giving everybody space to learn with some freedom and, and, and to mm. iterate and, and to possibly fail, but also to, to win some, uh, some knowledge as well. So, so basically, your partner were also kind of it was for them an R&D project as well exactly yeah. exactly it was so, not can you give me some products exactly. or can you give me some insulation no no really sitting around the table yes. and, all and, together yeah all together and, and, and in these co-creation sessions as it's, as it's called we were sitting together and say okay how will we solve this together and, and they had a say in the final uh, uh, result of the project so they had also ownership of the project yeah. which was yeah. a, a big one and we all all know who are who are traveling and when we go to foreign cities and and when we see these old buildings we are always wonder oh this is a pretty one this is a beautiful one <laughs> and then now and then we see a modern building between those ones and then we think that what have been here before why why have they done this yeah. why is design totally different from from the neighboring buildings and, and, and this is happening in, in my hometown in Helsinki and I guess in your hometown as well as in all over the world. And, and this is it's a little bit sad, sad in a way, and, and, but uh, let's hope it doesn't happen in the future so much anymore. Yeah. And, and we avoid a demolition of, of buildings. Instead, we, we re- rebuild them and think of reusing and for the long, long term, not only for 10 years or five years, but for maybe 100 years and can use them, use them. So Kane, you have, uh, I have here last one. How do you proceed in concrete terms now? What, what is the next steps and actions you will do? You, yeah. you mentioned about those publication already, but. Yeah, yeah, so exactly that's what we do. We, we, we publish, of course, we, we, we meet people, we talk about Circular Retrofit Lab, we meet there as well, we do workshops there, talk to students, architects, all kinds of stakeholders. Um, and the plan is that that next to next door, so the building next door is also being renovated at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, it's the Willy van der Meeren Living Lab, it's called, uh, because the architect was called Willy van der Meeren. And uh, there we try to reconcile energy uh, uh, renovation with uh, heritage, which is uh, sometimes clashing a bit. Uh. It's easy to wrap a building in an in insulation layer, but nothing is left of the building. So how do you do that? Uh, so mm. this very careful, intelligent choices, that's something that we are uh, looking into. Uh, so that's on the table. But then nice to say is that the whole uh, inside area of the, of the VUB, so the whole project, the whole almost 300 student units are now being totally renovated step by step. And uh, they are using the lessons learned that we brought forward with our projects uh, into that renovation. Not all of them, but the most specific mm, ones mm. and the ones that are applicable in that certain context. So there's, and it's not any more student housing. 
Student housing has been relocated in higher-rise buildings uh, on the campus, but also around it. But it's all student-related. So uh, okay. yeah, everything yeah. that has to be do with studying with student life will be housed there. So I think that's a good tribute to the heritage of, uh, of the architect, that it's still for students. It's still the village that is there, and maybe for, I don't know, hopefully decades uh, to come. Yeah, yeah. My last question is for you, that what was the most challenging point of this project? What, how you see, what was the biggest challenge you faced in this project? Oh, normally, it's the money, always the money, uh, because uh, yeah, you can have really nice ideas and you can dream. Uh, and, and the finding the partners. Uh, it took afterwards. It's easy to say that it took uh, that that you everybody was happy around the table and it it stands there. But going from that process of having the idea and then fighting for it, then finding mm. the money, then finding the partners, it's more that uh, because the principles are there, the technology is there, the knowledge is there. These days, the will is there. Mm. But uh, uh, I would say the whole process of fine tuning and getting people together, working around the same goal. And that means all stakeholders, university, ourselves, researchers, people with money, the, the investors, the, 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 the industrial stakeholders, uh, even the public bodies uh, getting it uh, approved. Mm. Uh, that was the, the whole challenge. I think yeah. the chain of events, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that one thing leading to another. Yeah, so it's like typically it is to get the right people, right partners on board and the financing in place. Yeah. Then things are easier to do. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, Niels, for this one, and and thank you for sharing your 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 experience with the Circle Retrofit Lab, and 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 for being here. It was really a pleasure to meet you. Thank, thank you. you very much. Okay, man. You're welcome. It was a pleasure. And next time you're in Brussels, I would be happy to show you around, give you a guided tour in the Circle Retrofit Lab, but also in our uh, workshop at Conligo. So you're most welcome. Thank you very much. Thanks. Thank you.